If you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans, says the, the old cliche. And we see something like that happen in our first reading today, uh, where David wants to build the Lord a house. He wants to build the temple. And so he goes to the prophet Nathan. Nathan, of course, is the successor of Samuel and tells him his idea. And Nathan says, sounds good. Go ahead. But then God intervenes, speaks to Nathan, and our first reading is turned on its head. God tells Nathan to communicate to David that David will not build God a house, but God will build David a house. God will build a majestic dynasty, a dynasty which will never come to an end. We hear him say to David through the prophet Nathan, and when your time comes and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your heir after you and I will make his kingdom firm. I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. Your house and your kingdom shall endure forever before me. Your throne shall stand firm forever. The house of David, the throne of David, will endure forever, will endure forever. This is a extraordinary promise. If you look at history, houses, uh, monarchies, and uh, dynasties have risen and fallen happens all the time throughout history. God is saying that's not the case with the Davidic dynasty. It will endure until the end of the age. It'll, it'll, it, it will endure forever. This tremendous promise, it's also echoed in our responsorial psalm, which is taken from Psalm 89, uh, where, where we hear, I have sworn to David my servant forever will I confirm your posterity and establish your throne for all generations. You know, Psalm, psalm 89 is really interesting. It's, uh, we, we, we get like five or six verses in the responsorial psalm for today, but it's, I believe it's 53 or 54 verses all told. And for about 40 verses, the first 40 verses, you see it uh, develop and, and re-echo these themes of God's promise to David, how David's kingdom will endure forever. But then um, the final 13, 14, 15 verses, there's a very sharp turn, a very sharp contrast. Uh, All of a sudden, uh, we get lines like this. You have removed the scepter from his hand and hurled his throne to the ground. You have cut short the days of his youth. You have covered him with shame. How long, O Lord, will you hide yourself forever? How long will your wrath burn like fire? Lord, where is your steadfast love of old, which by your faithfulness you swore to David? This final third or final quarter of Psalm 89, uh, it, it seems strange after, you know, 40 verses praising this, triumphantly praising this, this promise God made to David. But the ending to Psalm 89 would have really resonated with the Jews during the Babylonian exile. You see, David died around 970 BC. And this line of his successors would sit upon the throne in Jerusalem until 597 BC when uh, the Babylonians conquered Jerusalem and what was left of this once mighty kingdom of Israel and exiled virtually everyone away from the Holy Land. You know, the the Davidic line at this point had existed for 400 years. That's an impressive feat measured against uh, other dynasties in history. Yet 400 years Impressive as that number is, it's not forever. 
What are we to make of the discrepancy between the promise God made to David and the reality? Has God, he who cannot deceive nor be deceived, gone back on his word? Absolutely not. And I would actually say you see that at the end of Psalm 89 because it ends not in despair, but with the psalmist making an act of faith, uh, an act of trust in God. He ends by saying, blessed be the Lord, um, blessed be God forever. Amen, amen. It's as if he's saying, yes, uh, the reality on the ground can seem to contradict God's promise to David, yet nothing is impossible for God. During the Babylonian exile, it must have seemed impossible how God, his promise to David could be kept. Yet nonetheless, the ending would have encouraged the chosen people to trust, to believe that even though their magnificent temple was destroyed, even though the monarchy was seemingly snuffed out, even though they were exiled from from the land of their forefathers, nonetheless, God would still keep his promises because for him, nothing is impossible. Fast forward to our gospel, 600 years after the Babylonian exile. And we see that uh, God sends the angel Gabriel to a town of Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The house of David is still around 600 years later. Uh, 600 years. There hadn't been uh, someone from the line of David has not been sitting on the throne, but the, but the line has endured, which is itself remarkable. And this angel says to Mary, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father, and he will rule over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. 600 years after the, the excuse me 600 years after the Davidic monarchy seemed crushed and done the angel tells the blessed virgin that this child will fulfill all the promises made to David by God because nothing is impossible for the Lord Mary's response is is very instructive you know first she asks the question how can this be since i have no relations with a man And we need to understand this question properly. Mary is not doubting. Mary is not demanding proof. She's asking for instruction and clarification. Uh, How do we we know this? Well, we know it from the original language, but also in the next chapter in Luke's gospel, when Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, Elizabeth says, um, Blessed are you who believed that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. Mary couldn't quite figure out by her own reason alone how this could be. That's why she asked the angel. But nonetheless, she trusted and believed that nothing was impossible for God, that God is he who cannot deceive nor be deceived. She knew he would work out and be faithful to his promise even if she couldn't figure out how it would happen. And you know, we need to imitate the faith of Mary. Even more than imitation, we must turn to Our Lady, who is our spiritual mother, to help us to cultivate the trust and faith in God we need. And one of the best ways of turning to Our Lady is to pray the rosary every single day. Why the rosary? Well, when we are praying the rosary, we are walking through the mysteries of the life of Christ with the Blessed Mother. And we are meditating upon the foundational truth that nothing is impossible for God. 
You know, think of think of the Annunciation from our Gospel that a virgin conceives. That should be not possible. Yet by the power of God, it is. Or the Nativity, which we'll celebrate later this week. The virgin bears a son, and that son, that infant son, who is truly and fully human, like us in all things but sin. Uh, however, this tiny newborn infant is also truly God, the Almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-good creator of the universe. That sounds like an utter contradiction, yet it is true because nothing is impossible for God. Then on Good Friday, Mary will be there when they take her son's lifeless body down from the cross and place him in the tomb, seal the tomb, and walk away. On Good Friday night, it may seem to many that it's impossible for God to keep the promises he made to Mary on that day in Nazareth, some 30-odd years before, through the angel Gabriel, when the Lord said, This child will rule over the house of Jacob forever. Yet even from the darkness of Good Friday night, Mary believes, knows in the depths of her being that nothing is impossible for God. And so she trusts, and so she has faith, and she hopes. You know, and, and then, of course, on the third day, Christ rose from the grave. You know, we need this faith and trust that all things work for the good for those who love God. That's what Mary exemplified. And we need it all the time, but I think especially in 2020. 2020 has been a hard year. Um, that's not saying anything controversial. You know, we've had this pandemic, which just won't seem to go quietly away. Uh, we ate, we had social unrest and riots, economic troubles, uh, uh, an, uh, an election that revealed how polarized and, and divided we are, uh, and more. Yet, we cannot be discouraged by these difficulties. We must know and believe we must trust that God is at work, that his providence governs all things, and that he is accomplishing his purposes, even if that truth seems contradicted from what we see on the ground, from our perspective. Nothing is impossible for him. So let us turn to Our Lady every day by praying the rosary, so that our trust in God may increase, and we may build our life upon this foundational truth, that nothing is impossible for God.